Adventure in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We talked about this on After the Paracast, which is our supplementary radio show for subscribers of the Paracast Plus. And we really want you to subscribe. But I wanted to mention this for all our listeners. A story that John over at GCN Network sent over to me last week. And he did this exactly two minutes after we recorded last week's episode with Mark Jackson. Two minutes. Like he had this clock standing there. And (laughs) what's the most inconvenient time? Anyway, there's a story that's already posted on the GCN Live site entitled A Second Discovery of Repeating Fast Radio Signals from Space. And the reason you think about this is the search for extraterrestrial life. But this comes from another galaxy. Randall, you recall what we were talking about on After the Paracast. You want to kind of pick up from there? Oh, yeah, we touched on that briefly. Well, uh, it seems to me that the media likes to pick up on these stories and then give it that sort of uh, alien communication. ACOM uh, spin to it because that helps to grab more interest, more viewers or whatever the case may be. But from a purely scientific perspective, you know, when we're looking at another galaxy, it's a long, long ways away. We're talking about, you know, billions of years for a signal to get here. Even if it was something from an alien intelligence, I'm not sure really what the purpose of it would be, but scientists don't even think that that's what it is. They think it's probably something like a pulsar or probably a, uh, or possibly a black hole type phenomena or possibly a star orbiting a black hole, that type of thing. The big fallacy in this is that any signal, even from a nearby star, say four and a half light years away, will take years to get here. So the signal from Proxima Centauri, four and a half years or something like that, from a farther star, from Zeta Reticuli is what, 50 light years? It means you get the signal and you respond to ET. And ET gets it 50 years later. And maybe the individual alien being is long since gone. We don't know the lifespans of ET. You can't have a conversation this way because it will span generations. Now, that's, by the way, why they created subspace radio is a plot gimmick in star trek because this way they can have instantaneous communications but isn't that the real serious flaw in all this it may be from an academic standpoint nice to know there was life at one time on another planet but what can we do about it now i don't know maybe we should ask our guest today linda godfrey what she thinks linda Hi. (laughs) Well, you know, I love science, and yet I always have to kind of back up and say, back off, man, I'm not a scientist, just so that everybody understands that I'm talking as strictly as a layman. But I kind of agree. I mean, when I first saw that last week, I'm thinking, oh, that's really cool. And then you think, well, one burst, two bursts, how far is it coming from? On the other hand, we don't really know if there was an ET civilization out there where their technology or understanding of physics or anything like that might be. So I like to say I can't rule it out, but there's nothing to prove that it is, really. There's not much to go on to say, well, yes, for sure, it's it's ETs. If that second blast came and it was playing, you know, some Rolling Stones 
song back at us that we had sent umpteen years ago. Even then, you'd have to make sure it wasn't, and that's just a silly, you know, the silliest first comparison that I can think of. We'd have some idea that there'd be more to work with, at least, you know. Um, was it somebody purposely reflecting a message back to us? Whatever. But this was just, unless I'm mistaken, kind of two big signals that didn't really say anything to us. Maybe it's just that we don't know how to interpret them. To me, it's it's another mystery, basically. I wish I could say more, but... We'd have to also assume here that ET uses technology that we could recognize to talk to one another. So I joked about subspace radio in a way to have instantaneous communication on Star Trek. But how would somebody with conventional equipment on Earth detect that, whatever it is? Is it going through space warps? How would you detect it? So when they say we have not received radio waves from ET, we are making lots of assumptions about the form in right. which they take. That's true. Yeah, it's it's just it's just like all the cryptid animals. You know, we can see them, we can think about them, but you can't really know for for positive final sure with what we have to go on at this time. Now, Linda, you have been following monsters for a number of years, and you know, like you have books like Monsters Among Us. I know what I saw. Titles like that. For those who haven't heard your previous appearances, and we always enjoy talking to her, how did you get into the monster game? Well, <laughs> you know, it was, it was nothing purposeful. It wasn't like I sat around my whole childhood wishing that I could try to track Bigfoot or upright dogmen or anything like that. I have a degree in art education. I have taught elementary and high school art in public schools in my days. I also have extra... But it's in illustration. I've, I've worked um, with doing book covers and things like that for a Milwaukee art firm for a while. So I was doing all these things, and I just happened to be making cartoons for Walworth County's countywide newspaper and never really thought too much about being a reporter. But the uh, their main reporter happened to quit while I was talking to the editor one day, and he just kind of casually offered me the job. And I figured it had to pay more than the cartoonist fee that I was getting, which was $8 a week. And this is not depression time. <laughs> I mean, it was basically like almost for free. So I, it, But it wasn't just for that. I thought it, it intrigued me because I always did like to write. And I knew that it wouldn't be still, you know, any kind of huge salary. But I said, well, sure, how hard could that be? I think I'd like to try. And what you know, within a few weeks, somebody tipped me off to this um, fact that people around my hometown of Elkhorn, Wisconsin, were saying there was something out on a country road called Bray Road that looked to them like a werewolf, which I did not believe in. I still don't believe in, you know, the medieval slash Hollywood type of werewolf that um, eats people, howls at the moon, you know, bites people to get them to be werewolves too, all that kind of of a legend that goes on with it. But I thought, well, this is interesting. Why are these people all saying this? And I happened to have an appointment with the county animal control officer with whom I was already working on a puppy mill story. And I asked him about it. And he said, oh, you mean this? And he opened up his drawer. He pulled out a manila file folder. This is the county office, mind you. And it said werewolves. So <laughs> I'm thinking, well, here we've got a county official with a file folder marked werewolves. At that point, it's news. 
you know, you just don't have any choice anymore after that. And especially when he shared it with me and the contents were various people who lived out in that uh, part of the county writing in and describing seeing something that looked like a canine or a dog or a wolf on its hind legs. And they were leaving their phone numbers, their, their addresses. And I thought, well, this is interesting because people who are just, you know, trying to pull a hoax don't generally leave all their contact info with the officials so they can be contacted later and charged with fraud or something. So he shared the, the names and I went and uh, visited them and interviewed them. And I felt they weren't lying. I felt that they were, they had seen something. You know, I didn't know what it was. It sounded like it could be a dangerous animal. And I thought at the very least, people should know if there was, say, a stray wolf walking around on that road. You know, there were people who had um, small farm animals and children and pets. They should know that they should keep them in. So um, I talked to the editor about it. We wrote it up. It appeared the year 1991-92 on New Year's Eve weekend. But it was kind of a slow news time, you know, so it sort of fit in there really well. Let's do a break here. Sure. We're learning about her start following monsters, werewolves. What are they? Did Lon Chaney Jr. become resurrected and take on the role of Larry Talbot, the Wolfman? Nah, that's ridiculous. But we're going to have fun here with real monster reports. Linda Godfrey with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. In an historic event, former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. To secure your spot, text JOIN to 76280. This event is the first of its kind ever. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls in the weeks and months ahead. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join American Cannabis Summit, text JOIN to 76280. Attendance is free. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280. Homemakers. 
Groceries by mail ships free. Try our amazing bacon. It stores in your pantry. No refrigeration required. Our value-added packaging provides a 10-year shelf life and protects the leanest, thickest, center-cut, fully-cooked bacon in America today. Ready to eat right from the pouch or warm and serve. Always priced less than grocery for your everyday use. Savory and delicious. Order today at readytoeatbacon.com. Readytoeatbacon.com. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercial just like the one you're listening to right now no other network provides the level of customer service we do when it comes to radio advertising we are your one-stop shop and no matter how big or small your business is we can help email us and advertise at gcnlive.com and an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website advertise at gcnlive.com easy affordable effective Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Back to the monsters. Linda, I'm enjoying that story. Please proceed. Okay. So what happened was after my editor and I had agreed that People around Elkhorn would have fun with it for a couple of days, maybe a week, and then it would be forgotten. And we were so very wrong because as soon as it appeared, I can't say it went viral because we didn't even have the means to be viral at that time. Nobody really even knew what the Internet was. People didn't have email, but somehow it got out on Associated Press or AP, which was the closest thing we had then. Immediately, there were Milwaukee and Madison TV stations, and then from Chicago, and then it was spreading in an ever-widening circle. Inside Edition came out back when uh, Bill Riley was still the, the host on that. So it was very surprising. And not only that, people started calling, actually um, having to look up the paper's phone number and then call me at the newspaper office because nobody had personal phones at that time. So they were going to some trouble, is my point, to find me and saying, hey, this is real. I saw it. My family saw it. You know, we all saw it. It's a real thing. And they go on to discover to describe the same thing. And they weren't. These are not just people on Bray Road. These are people all over Wisconsin, especially all over the Midwest. But I had people from California. I remember receiving a snail mail, a snail mail letter from a lady in the Virgin Islands telling me about hers, uh, France. People were saying, yeah, um, so-and-so 
was in the service during World War II and saw this when he was, you know, out in the, the backlands of, of Europe walking around. I began to realize this was not just some little one-off phenomenon. It was worldwide. So many of the descriptions were exactly spot on what the people on Bray Road described. So I felt it was kind of my duty to keep up with it. And at the very least, I thought, if nothing else, I was documenting the beginnings of what I really thought was going to be a true local legend. You know, the kind that people sit around campfires and tell about forever. It was a point of historical record just here. I agree with you. The Internet was not a mass phenomenon back in the early 90s. Google hadn't been created. Yahoo didn't exist. There was an online world, but not too many people partook of it because the Internet was invented, say, in the 60s and 70s. And then we had these online services like CompuServe and Genie and later AOL brought Internet to the masses back in like 1989. I was one of the early members. The problem is it was a walled garden where you didn't see the entire Internet. The email was restricted to the service and it took a number of years to the mid 1990s. Before you can contact anyone outside of AOL, you still had to use, as you say, snail mail and telephone. You did. Yeah, it was there, but it wasn't there like we have it today is probably a better way for me to put it. I think that same year we had a big page two story about how somebody got their own Internet website. You know, it was like they were a star celebrity because they did this amazing thing. You know, today it would just be like, oh, nothing, you know, WordPress, whatever. But my whole point of it is just that they were taking trouble. It wasn't just like, you know, hitting Twitter and tweeting, tweeting out about it or anything like that. They had to either make the call, talk with their voices on the phone, some kind of contact like that, which, again, was just one of those little things that sort of impressed me that people were meaning what they were saying and that there was something to keep track of. Well, it never went away. That was the thing. And I worked for that newspaper for 10 more years as an illustrator, cartoonist, and writer. And I think I did like maybe two or three little catch-up update stories when I would get a particularly interesting sighting. But I felt like I was sort of the unofficial keeper of the lore. During this time, I was doing lots of radio and already TV shows. Those kept up. And every time those aired, that was one big factor in making it stay a national topic. You know, really nothing that I was doing myself. But after 10 years, I had so much and I had collected, you know, all the different things that happened at that time. And I thought, well, if people are still so interested, I should just write a book that will lay it all out there and then they'll have it. And then that'll be that. So um, that's how The Beast of Bray Road was born. And it was uh, published by uh, Wisconsin Regional Press. Again, (laughs) every time I wrote another book, it was like the Rolling Stone gathering the moss. It just kept getting bigger and bigger, the snowball going down the hill. The year that it came out, 91, 92, would make it, what, 25 years, something like that, since this happened. It's still going on. I still get reports from people and people wanting to tell me their stories all the time, even though there are plenty of other places to go on the Internet nowadays where they can experience in different formats. There's one where they can, a couple, I think, where you can, they can call in and just tell their story, you know, in their own voice. It's just a different way of experiencing it. It just seems that it's, it was this thing that was there waiting to be discovered. And And you were in the right place at the right time there there. to discover it. Yeah. Now, I think one of the interesting things here is to look 
over this period, mm-hmm. which is as long as I've been in Arizona. But I didn't come here to bring you monsters. I like to look at, and this takes us obviously to your new book, Monsters Among Us, your latest book. What I want to ask you here is how have your opinions about this phenomenon altered, if any, or do you still think now what you thought then? Well, I think now that what I thought then still may be possible. My first idea for this, because the way people described it as having a head, either like a wolf or a German shepherd, walking on its hind legs or dropping back and forth between four legs and and two legs, long teeth, pointy ears on top of the head. It sounded just really like a wolf-like canine to me. And it was doing things that a normal earthy animal would do. It was eat uh, roadkill, chasing deer, leaning to drink from a pond, you know, that kind of thing, showing that it was ingesting and, and drinking earthly substances. So it didn't seem like it was a phantom to me. And I thought, well, maybe, just maybe, um, because it's it's not a supernatural thing for mammals to walk on their hind legs. Maybe there was a small group of wolves that learned this was a, a good strategy to employ, getting up on their hind legs, looking over the tall grass to see what was coming, hunting for deer in the cornfields and in the many cornfields that um, just blanket Walworth County and that they either, you know, fortuitously uh, had a, a mutation that somehow let them be upright longer or if it was just a learned activity, wolves do teach their young um, things that are, it's not all instinct with them. This has been shown and proven. So I called that the indigenous dog man um, and made a sketch of it. And so many people have let me know that that sketch is exactly what they saw. It describes what they saw. I had that sketch in the very first book. It's been in my other books and it's all over the internet now. I think most people don't even remember who, who made it. That one and the original cartoon that showed it eating the roadkill on, on Bray Road while it was kneeling. Those, those two are just everywhere. And it's, it's kind of like that, you know, copyright seems to mean nothing these days. It just goes out on the Internet and it sort of belongs to everybody. And that's okay with those two drawings because they were really created to show people what was being um, discussed and talked about. We've got more to come with Linda and Jean and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. The United States of Empire is a book that claims the United States is the empire of the world. George Washington had warned us against foreign wars. The United States of Empire shows that World Wars I and II left England broken. Its former colony, the U.S., had to save the empire. Was there ever a vote? Who do we fight for? The deep state began with World War I. The United States of Empire by James Dunn. Available at Amazon Books.
USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump has put forward the points on which he'll deal to end the shutdown. Border security, DACA, TPS, and many other things. Straightforward, fair, reasonable, and common sense with lots of compromise. He says if he gets the $5.7 billion he wants for a border wall or fence, then the crime rate and drug problem in our country would be quickly and greatly reduced. However, government agencies have previously said drugs are mostly smuggled through legal points of entry. Democrats maintain they're willing to spend billions of dollars on technology that would prevent smuggling through checkpoints, and they want a permanent solution for the DACA program. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell calls the proposal a fair compromise. You're listening to USA Radio News. Does your business spend $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly. With no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power and Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625-800-503-8625 this is jerome clark author of the ufo encyclopedia and other books you're listening to the paracast when we talk about this and we're looking at the way that your expectations have changed or something. Do we consider the fact here that eyewitness testimony is incredibly, incredibly erratic, inconsistent, and especially when someone sees something they don't expect to see? So do we consider here that they see a conventional animal, as you say, a a wolf or a dog can stand on its hind legs, my dog teddy bear, stands on his hind legs when there's something he can grab with his mouth right? and and within reach that people see something like this. And because it's fast and they're not expecting it, they interpret it in ways that sound more sinister. 
Well, I have thought a lot about this sort of thing, and that's true, except why would they all see something that they would interpret as a werewolf? Most people, even today, most people have no idea of my about my books. Or it's not like something everybody knows. I wish it were, but you know, but it isn't. And back then, it especially wasn't. So why? I, again, this is something I had to ask myself. Why was I getting almost identical descriptions, just with minor variations, maybe in the fur color, that varied no more than a normal wolf pack's uh, coloring would would vary? Um, you know, always with the pointy ears and the fangs and the long snout. Once in a while, there would be a little differing. Um, detail but again it would always be something like maybe a slightly shortened muzzle something that you would see in the normal realm of a canine and so that actually to me argued for it um because otherwise you or people would say well maybe the witnesses were all drinking and really that's not um medically a sound idea how many times have you had maybe three or four drinks a couple more than you should have and all of a sudden you saw strange animals you know it just that's something for you know much deeper medical conditions with alcohol but not not just out drinking for a night like people were saying so but you know i'm aware of there's there's that famous experiment that was done where people were put in i think I think put in a, something like a gymnasium and they were told to watch this ball going back and forth they had tasks to watch and they had someone in a gorilla suit run through the whole scenario right in the middle of it. And a large number of people never saw the gorilla in the room. So I have to think there are probably also times when something is there. And because they're just busy focusing on the road and driving along, they miss whatever it is. And there, there could be many possible sightings that just are never recorded because the people didn't see them standing along the road there's many fascinating ways to get into this particular topic but i don't want to go on too long with that one of the things i i really enjoy about your work and listening to you speak is that you're not just talking about big bigfoot here i mean we hear a lot about that but the dogmen or other strange creatures are something that you also deal in, like giant birds or strange aquatic creatures. And I'd like to hear a couple of stories about uh, those things as well. Well, yeah, the giant birds, when I undertook to really delve into that a little more deeply, I was surprised at how many variations there were and how many reports there really were. And they're kind of tricky because generally when people see a giant bird, it'll be up in the sky. There's absolutely nothing to compare it to in terms of size. You know, you can't, you just can't get a bead on it. And uh, I had a, a contact from a businessman in Minnesota who said he saw a giant massive bird when he was um, on vacation with his family across the river over in Wisconsin up north. And this is probably one of the best sighting stories. It's one reason I started out my American Monsters book with this story, because it really had all the all the things you would want in a scene. This is a very credible man. As I said, he had a lighting business, um, you know, well, well to do. He was out for a morning bicycle ride in this kind of idyllic community. And he's riding along and there's a big meadow on his right with tall grass. And he looked. And he saw this enormous, enormous bird that had kind of whitish, grayish plumage, um, sort of stork-like was the best he could compare it to. 
And it was so huge. He said he, he just, his jaw dropped. He stopped. He dropped his bicycle and just without thinking went running into the, the meadow to see what this thing was, you know, an experiment with it. And he, as soon as he got about halfway there, the bird turned its head and looked at him. And he, he had this, he said his insides just kind of dropped. He felt like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's on an egg, it, you know, it, it's uh, sitting on its eggs and it's going to come and kill me now. Yeah, because, dinner. <laughs> because it had this enormous beak. Um, but before he could get too afraid, it started flapping its big wings and trying to take off. And he said it was so big, it was hard getting lift under its wings. He said the wings were like billowing. And so it started running and it went over to the road and ran down the road um, for a little bit, I imagine it could run a little faster on the asphalt is all, all I could think of. And these really telling little details are what really impressed me too. So he noticed when it was doing that, its wings were spread out and its, its wings touched either side of the road. And when I went up there and interviewed him, we went and I had my trusty measuring tape and I measured the road there and it was 22 feet across. So that is a big thing. And he watched it. Finally, it took off, was heading straight toward where he knew there was a small airport. And he thought, oh, good, they're going to have it on radar. So he went and checked. There was nothing on the radar. And, <laughs> and here he had had this, exper this experience that lasted, you know, probably a good minute or two, which is an eternity for most weird sightings of things. But it just had everything because he got to see it on the ground. He knew a certain distance it was from him. He got to see it taking off and experience what the wings were doing. Um, he was able to watch it circle around, go straight down that asphalt road and have all of the, uh, the things next to it that he would need in order to estimate his, its uh, height and size. And so, of course, we had the measurement of the wings, wing spread being 22 feet, but it was just amazing. Yeah, it's too bad it didn't drop a feather or two somewhere along yeah. the way. You know, you can imagine the size of what one of those would be. Right. And, you know, and maybe it did. And he was just too flustered to even think about there being a feather drop because that's how most people describe themselves. They're, they'll say, I, I should have taken a picture or I wanted to, you know, just look at it longer, but I, I couldn't. I was just, you know, so they, they get emotional and just. When, when you see something that you realize is not in the playbook, not in the normal playbook of human or animal life on Earth, it's very disconcerting. And people will say, really, the scariest thing was not that I was afraid that it would eat me, but that I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to categorize it. I had a feeling I was seeing something I shouldn't see. Very interesting. That's a fabulous story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, this is, this kind of reminds me what you were talking about there with the the witnesses change in psychology. And it reminds me of a a phrase that Jenny Randall's came up with called the Oz factor. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I write about that um, quite frequently. It comes in very handy, and so many people experience it. Now, is that is, is this? The same type of thing that happens with these creatures as well then, because in, with Jenny Randall, she's talking about UFOs and being right. a ufologist, I like to look for these sort of connections. Yes. So would you say that the Oz factor is also a part of this cryptids phenomena? Very much so. Very much so. Many times people before they see uh, Bigfoot in particular is the one that I think I hear it about most. But they'll say they're going along, maybe they're bow hunting, maybe they're having a stroll in a forest, whatever. 
And all of a sudden they realize it's deadly, deadly silent. The birds have stopped singing. The insects have stopped chirping. And they get this feeling often, often of dread. It's like something is terribly wrong and I don't know what it is. Sometimes the air has a coloration to it, like a, a light gold or kind of a shimmery green. And then while this condition persists, that's when whatever it is that shows up will, will show up. All right. So its arrival is heralded some way. Linda Jean and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains 
contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to the Paracast. Now, we know, for example, Linda Godfrey, that animals, your dog, can often detect something like an earthquake or the arrival of something. So is that in its own way similar to when we can detect something happening? I, I think it is in a way. I, I think... It's not an exact parallel, but I, I've really come, this is probably, you know, you had asked me earlier about how my, my thoughts and views had changed. And it seems to me now that there is more than just one heavy, dense appearance to some of these creatures. In other words, there are a lot of people who have tried to shoot, they they had been out in the woods, had a gun, this thing, uh, either a dog man or a big Bigfoot was coming at them. They've tried to shoot it. We're sure that they hit it even with an automatic sometimes. And yet it's as if it went, the bullets went right through the creatures. And it's like they're not always at the same density that we are. You know, and it makes me think, to describe it roughly and unscientifically, that maybe matter, maybe our world is not completely solid or completely fluidic um, in a spirit world, it, there's, there's a sliding scale between them. The same way that with sound, the dog whistle, as you mentioned earlier, makes a sound that we know is there because our dog's ears perk up and you know maybe it's being created on some machine that we, we know it makes this certain sound level and yet we can't hear it. We wouldn't know it was there. And if you go to the the lower sound ranges then you have definite symptoms there's that ghost famous ghost in the machine there story where there was a man who was working in a lab and weird things were happening ghostly images were images were appearing and he finally noticed that there was a big piece of machinery under the floor i can't remember if it was a furnace or what that would go on at a certain time and create these ultra low vibrations and these have been shown to have definite effects on humans uh, in, in many ways can make them sick. We're actually hearing about possible sound attacks on diplomats in countries, you know, where it's being weaponized by, by all the powers. It's kind of the same thing. There's not like one low sound and one super high sound. There's a gradient. And that's the way that these animal sightings seem to me. And it's interesting because. The closest um, parallel I can come to with that is what many Native American 
uh, friends have told me, um, some who were shamans, some who were just, you know, learners of their lore, that they believe that Bigfoot and Dogman and the giant birds and all of these things are actually originally spirit animals that they can come here when they want to and they can be, you know, partially between the solid and, and the spirit and they can go back to the spirit world. So they're sort of travelers in that way. It does fit the paradigm of what all witnesses together are saying the best. Okay, because looking at the blurb for the book Monsters Among Us, mm-hmm. you're talking about secret portals and doorways, which to me implies interdimensional travel as opposed to going to the fairy realm, like they did on TV series True Blood. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if it is possible to travel between realities, it's possible if the trip is not complete, we see what's going on over there. Right. But not always as clearly as we might. Or something or someone is projecting an image for our benefit. But that might be strange, too. Yeah, that's the other side of the coin. And that's actually how um, some of the the medicine people, shamans, who um, are able to, who say that they can shapeshift. It's a projection sort of thing. Um, I have an example in one of my books of a a woman who was learning with an elder medicine woman um, and she was uh, sitting next to this woman on a sofa they were having a lesson and as she watched the woman's face went from bear to wolf to some other animal and back and the student said well how did you just do that how how can you you know show these different faces and the medicine woman said it's a matter of what I'm projecting and I thought that you know, that makes so much more sense to me than somebody being, you know, bitten by an animal and standing under the the, uh, the, the moon and the full moon and, um, you know, all those old, again, cliche things that are supposed to happen to create these human-animal transformations. And it ends up being a projection, maybe sort of a mimicry, if you will. It's a word I'm applying more and more often to some of these things. Uh, It just feels like there's more to it than an animal that learned to stand up. Um, Because even with these animals that are just encountered along the road that are standing up and are running across the road in front of people, there's usually this really unusual interplay that you wouldn't expect between a human and a wild animal that's just um, you know, kind of running around in the same space. They say so many times the animal will look them in the eye. They'll feel that it's expressing somehow, not in the King's English, but maybe with body language or something else on that order. Things like, if I wanted to, I could jump on your car. Um, you can't come over here. If you tell anybody about me, I'll come and get you. That kind of thing. And it's very, very scary for them. Um, these are probably people who tell me that are probably the most scared of a subgroup of, of witnesses because it's just so disconcerting. You know, you can go out in the woods and run into a bear. And how many times would you expect a person who said, oh, I saw a bear in the woods to say, but you know what? The bear looked at me and I felt it was telling me it could come and get me. Or if I told anybody about it, it would kill me. You know, that it, it's just not a normal thing for, for animals. And so, This is also something I ponder. 
Now, I'm wondering here, too, did you and your books at all, and you have 18 books or so, ever look at the legends of how werewolves, for example, got started or Bigfoot? Did you cover that at all? Yeah, I have in different books, um, in different places, and there are, um, you know, so many different ways. I don't think there's any one way. My newest book that is coming out in, I believe, June, um, examines kind of this, to me, it seems like there's a circular um, pattern going on where people see these creatures and then they connect them to, they have names for them because they have seen similar things in mythology. For instance, um, many people will see a, an upright black furred dog with pointy ears and say it reminded me of Anubis, the Egyptian god of the dead. You know, and I always wonder, um, you know, really which came first, the the Anubis, it, the the creature itself, or the legends about it. You know, and you when you know to put a name to something, then maybe you. Um, are perceiving it a little differently. So my new book kind of goes between, it, it describes legends and then hunts for other similarities and associations. So I was wondering here, for example, we talk about the common legend of werewolves, going back to the movies of the 30s and 40s, where someone is cursed because he or she is bitten by another werewolf. Mm-hmm and only becomes that creature when the full moon is out. Where did that start? A lot of that came from Hollywood. Because you go back a little further, you know, werewolves were quite the thing in medieval Europe. You know, many were assumed to be witches and hanged and that sort of thing. Um, but they, were, they weren't like these things people are seeing today. They were actually eating other humans and sometimes um and would would require verses to be said and most of the time they had to have like a piece of wolf fur or something like that sometimes they make it into a belt uh to wear and so these things were um were really different than what we have today and you go back further and you find animal headed human uh, bodied things that um, had still another supposed origin in which they were considered um, gods or demigods or something like that. Many of them were to be worshipped. Maybe many they were. Many of them were just part of the the pantheon of whatever culture that was. And in places where there weren't wolves, it would be something like jaguars or whatever large predators were there. So um, the one thread that kind of runs through it is we seem to have this sense that there's some attachment between humans and animals. And, and I, I feel like we're always looking for that in, in some way. And I, th I think that that's, you know, maybe at the heart of all these things, because it goes back as far as you can find civilization, you can find animal headed creatures, whether they're dogs or whatever. Let's do our break here. Linda Godfrey, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. 
A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-919-5435. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-919-5435. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-919-5435. 1-800-919-5435. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. So, Linda, let's continue with that thread there of the different legends and the combination of human and animal, where you've got a human torso on a on an animal's body. Yeah, <laughs> and as I said, there's there's so many of them. Um, you know, even back to the Sumerians, um, you see them depicted in the sculptures in South South America on the Mayan temples and probably civilizations we don't even know names of yet. So it's just, it's a universal thing. And I do think that I found some associations that I, I had in that book. Um, my, my, I just want to mention this quickly. My most recent book that's not, that is out, um, the monsters among us i really set out to study some of these associations and so every time i had a case where i had an accurate date year at least and a place and had enough information um i would look up i had a little chart at the end of each of those um stories and i would look up the phase of the moon solar activity at the time nearby ufo reports anything where I could find a database on the internet and just look it up. And it did seem that things were related. I found more UFO um, associations than I would expect to. And I also found more of the, um, the solar flares made seem to make more difference than the phase of the moon. Now I also was careful to note that one book is not a really representative um, 
sample, you know, that if you're going to do this scientifically, you'd have to have um, all the different things laid out as, as they would for a scientific experiment. But it just was something that I could say, hey, this is something anybody can do. All these things are in the Internet. You can find them in two seconds and start your own database, you know, and maybe that way we'll learn something. When it comes to the native legends, uh, how far back do they go in America here? I mean, we, we know a lot about the ancient East and, and Middle East and even to some extent Europe. Of course, the legends there go back thousands of years, I imagine. How about uh, the, the native lore here? Oh, yeah, definitely. And in fact, uh, people I've talked to, I was privileged to talk with a Ho-Chunk elder and anthropologist. And she told me that these creatures are older than humanity and that they were here before people were. And they came originally, as I mentioned before, from the spirit world. Um, and they still kind of do that back and forth. But you can also look to other things. You, you can find some very, um, very old, I'm thinking of Mayan, uh, sculptures, ceramics that portray bird-headed people and dog-headed people that go way back. And here in southeastern Wisconsin, I don't know how many people are aware of this, but we have a really, really special type of ancient Native American art called the animal effigy mounds. There are almost no place else in, in the world. And Wisconsin has, I think, 96%. There's the Great Serpent Mound in Ohio, and then there are a few overlaps into the surrounding states. But otherwise, they're all in southeastern Wisconsin. And what they are is sometimes very huge, low mounds with shapes delineated to show um, thunderbirds and the water panther, um, sometimes just regular animals, bears, what have you. I know there's one in Madison that a bear, or excuse me, a bird one that's about 150 feet long. And they're, they're simple, but they're not childish. They're very sophisticated symbolism. And when the settlers first came here and found this little part of Wisconsin, it was like a park because they had kept it all groomed around them. These things were laid out usually next to freshwater springs and lakes. They were oriented so that they would appear to be marching down into the water, or if it was thunderbirds versus the the water panthers that was the, that were the two animals that were supposed to battle, they would be placed in up op, in opposition to one another, and they were huge. And you really cannot appreciate them much like the Nazca lines in Peru unless you're up in the air. So why were these things here? But the the one creature called the water panther or the water spirit. Um, I was told was the most was the closest to these upright canines. So, um, and it it seemed to be a mixture. It had the the panther name because of the long tail, but it had um, the dog head and could walk upright, according to what I was told. That's really fascinating. I'm seeing a lot of connections here between various things, and I just love this conversation. We're seeing some real parallels with ufology here in that we've also got imagery that reminds us of alien craft that go back as far it it's almost as if the two phenomena are connected somehow and so i'm looking for more of these connections here we've talked with bigfoot researchers who say that there have been direct connections with ufos 
and Bigfoot. How about other kinds of creatures? Or have you heard the same kind of stories? Can you give us any indication of, of if there's an alien cryptid connection? Well, one, one that leaps to mind, it's a real well-known one in Wisconsin because it happened to this farmer named Bozak, kind of up in, I think, north central Wisconsin. I can't think of the name of the town. And um, he was driving home. It, it wasn't an ancient story, um, but he was driving home from um, a farm co-op meeting and saw this thing on the road. He wasn't that far from his house, but it was on the road between him and his house, and he got closer and it was sort of a um, weird-looking furry creature that was sitting inside of a strange contraption that was kind of like a, a shiny disc type of thing. And he said the, the creature had a long face. It had its hands up. He felt it was almost asking for help, but he didn't know what to do for it and described it really well. I have it in my uh, Monsters of Wisconsin book. And his name was Fred Bozak, and the name will come to be probably in about an hour, the name of the town <laughs> that, that he was in. But um, he was astounded at it and found marks in the field the next day where it had been. And the thing, the craft and the creature were gone by the next day, of course. But it wasn't, the creature itself, this is what fascinates me, wasn't readily identifiable as any one Earth species. It was just something that was fur-covered, had the long face, as I said, and, and uh, seemed that it was calling and, and big eyes and seemed that it was calling for help so you know what do you do with that very good question uh <laughs> what what did he do with it i mean did the thing just sort of disappear or vanish or how how did uh he handle that situation yeah it did um and actually i should look that up i have my monsters of wisconsin book right in front of me and i should have looked that up before he he did and um if you just Excuse me for a second here. Oh, no problem. You've got a wonderful selection of books, and I've got to add a few of those to my own library. Um, let's see. Phantom Bigfoot. Actually, I have several several Bigfoot things in this um, particular book, which I think is going out of print, unfortunately. I'm just dealing with them right now. Um, Let's see. Where, well, anyway, it, it did actually. Oh, I, it was the furry alien of Frederick is this story. Fred, it was Frederick was the name of the town. I think I might have misspoken and said that was the name of the man. But um, it was 1030 p.m. This was written up in the St. Paul Pioneer Press, by the way. And he was only going about 35 miles an hour. It was six miles east of Frederick in Polk County, Wisconsin. And this is it's Marsh's. Um, kind of rural ter territory, not very highly populated. And he said he was almost home when his headlights suddenly hit something bright and shiny sitting smack in the center of the westbound lane. So he slowed down to see what it was gleaming. There was like a fog that had just begun to set in. I'm thinking again the Oz factor with that. It was a vehicle of sorts, disc-shaped, had a transparent top made of what looked like curved glass, and inside was a creature looking back at him. Let's, do, a, let's do our break here. We have a cliffhanger. <laughs> Who or what was that creature in the landed UFO? No, I don't want to make those sounds. It sounds really cliched. We've got Linda Godfrey, Jay Randall, Murphy, and Gene Steinberg. You're in the Paracast.
Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. In an historic event, former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. To secure your spot, text JOIN to 76280. This event is the first of its kind ever. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls in the weeks and months ahead. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join American Cannabis Summit, text JOIN to 76280. Attendance is free. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll-free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Hey! Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662 or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio you heard right proactive md plus free shipping and a free gift the new charcoal pore cleansing brush you'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back call now 1-800-583-8662 that's 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio again go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio anytime 
time, any place, anywhere. Radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. I can't tell you, Linda Godfrey, how I'd react running up against something like that in the road. So we have the craft with the what transparent top where they see the entity inside. Right. And he said he could see the being from about the torso up. It was covered in tan fur except for its face, which was bare. It stood with its arms inexplicably stretched upward and was humanoid in shape. And its face was square with long, a long part on it, big buggy eyes, long ears that stuck out horizontally from near the top of its head. And he thought it stood a little taller than a tall man. It also seemed afraid. And by the time he had drawn his vehicle to a position only six feet away, that's really close get close to a ufo he stepped on the gas and noticed a whooshing sound as his car passed through the strange vehicles vehicles shadow and it was too foggy it sort of disappeared in the fog and he didn't want to he got past it and didn't want to return in the dark and then um came back the next day and it was just gone when you mention the hairy nature i was thinking of wookies but that's yeah. just me it would have been fun, but it doesn't really look like a Wookiee. And I've drawn two kind of forensic sketches of it. I don't think I have it in this book, but it's hard to re- even really settle on what it looked like because it's not like our pictures of the Greys with those flat ears. It's more like Yoda is what yeah. i Yeah, like a cross between Chewbacca and Yoda or something. Exactly. Really, yeah, very interesting. I absolutely love these stories. You've got other ones about aquatic creatures. They're not your typical Nessie, you know, lake monster type of thing. They're they're more like some sort of prehistoric uh, alligator or something like that. Can you tell us a, about uh, a couple of those? Well, um, I think you may be referring to the story in the um, American Monsters book about a young man who was being stud- studying to be a marine biologist and was working summer jobs on the St. John River in Florida, he began noticing something following his book. It's kind of his boat. It was kind of like uh, Captain Hook and Peter Pan, you know, following, following him around. And he finally started seeing it get out of the water. And he said it did look like a prehistoric type of alligator. It would stand straight upright um, on the shore and watch him and follow him. At one time, it even he had a, a friend on board with him. And they were spending the night out and it was kind of bumping the boat. And, and they were, he was actually afraid it was going to try and crawl up into the boat with him. And, uh, and I checked this guy out. I called where he said he was supposed to work and, and take classes. And he did. He was, you know, so I, and that is something when I, when I'm able, I try to do my due diligence in checking out people who have extraordinary claims and, 
just uh, because I have found I don't have very many people that I think are generally trying to hoax me. But those who do don't usually think of all the details or they'll, they'll get something really, really wrong. And again, the advantage of doing this in the Internet age is you can look just about anything up about anybody if you know where to look. So um, that is something that I, I try to do for my readers. So you take these stories pretty seriously then, not, you know, not just as urban legend. You actually believe that people are having experiences where they perceive in, through their senses some sort of strange phenomena that involves these cryptids that to them seem to be perfectly real physical things, not just a, a product of their imagination or a hallucination or, or a misidentification. Yeah, that's how it seems to me with most people. Now, I'm sure there are misidentifications, and I'm sure there are people who have some mental illness and are hallucinating, but they seem to be in the very, very minor minority. And people who say, well, it's a mass hallucination if there's more than one, because often there are two, three, or four other witnesses. And the thing is, what I've read, again, I'm no psychologist, but what I've I've read is that the concept of mass hallucination, especially when it's not a drug party, um, just four people riding along in a car and they all see a green alien walking alongside the road hitchhiking and they all slam the doors, their door locks on at the same time, um, that um, a mass hallucination as we normally think of it um, does not exist. No, that sounds to me like a very convenient sort of psychological buzz term for the skeptics to me. Even people who are on hallucinogenics and even the same kind of hallucinogenics in the same room with each other don't have the same hallucination as each other. Right. So, so it seems really very, very highly questionable that people who are in a frame of mind that is unimpaired would all suddenly simply have exactly the same sort of hallucination. Right, when it, especially when it's not part of the conversation or, you know, they're on their way from point A to point B, and then all of a sudden this thing shows up. That example of the people slamming the, the car locks on because they see a little green thing was another report that I received, actually. Four young women in college coming back at night from visiting a friend of theirs in the hospital. Very interesting. Have you had an experience yourself? Have you ever seen any of these creatures? I have. I have. One, the first one was when I was in Michigan with a History Channel cameraman, and we were um, investigating a late night um, happening that had occurred, oh, maybe a month or, or two before. And there were these three people who had come out to investigate this lonely road because it had a reputation for being haunted, not for big animals. So, if anything, they were primed to look for ghosts. And instead, they came up upon this um, abandoned old schoolhouse or something like that. And behind their car was a seven-foot-tall gray wolf-like creature on its hind legs. And it actually chased them. Being young, they were young and foolish. And they tried, after a week or so, they came back another time. And the same thing happened, but with a shorter, darker-furred upright canine and we were there at the same time it was like two or three in the morning it was almost raining that was like 99 percent humidity 99 degrees 
I don't know how anybody could have been out there in a fursuit, but we were seeing, you know, green eye shine from the bushes and heard something very large shake water out of its fur. Um, and we happened to, we had a flash, or excuse me, a spotlight up. And I happened to turn just in time to see something run just at the edge of the light, of the spotlight. And what I saw was gray fur on something vertical, a vertical spine of some kind and it was covered with gray fur and it momentarily blotted out a road sign a reflective road sign and kept going and by the time we had the nerve to go over there and measure it we did measure it it was seven feet tall in order to block out what it blocked out and it had gray fur but i only saw the spine so i can say i may have seen the spine of a dog man um i can't really say it any more soundly than that I'll tell you what, let's do our break here. We've got Linda Godfrey, written a dozen and a half books or so about monsters. You know, I can't resist doing that when we have the monster thing. But we do have Linda and Jean and Randall, which means you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists, get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. USA Radio News with Wendy King. President Trump is proposing a new deal to Democrats aimed at getting Congress to pay for a wall along the border with Mexico. He says he's willing to compromise on many points. DACA, TPS, and many other things. Straightforward, fair, reasonable. He says the plan is needed to reduce crime. Criminals, drug smugglers, gangs, and traffickers do not stop at our border. They permeate throughout our country, and they end up in some places where you'd least expect them. Representative Vicente Gonzalez, a Texas Democrat, says many of the things the president stated are wrong. If you look at FBI statistics, McAllen's the safest, the seventh safest city in America. We had zero murders the year of 2018. We're one of the safest communities in the state and the country, so it's just factually wrong, statistically wrong. You're listening to USA Radio News. 
This is an urgent health notice for all residents suffering from back, neck, knee, and wrist pain. You may qualify for a pain-relieving brace at little or no cost to you, but the deadline is fast approaching. Simply call the Health Alert Hotline now. You heard right. You may qualify for a pain-relieving back, neck, knee, or wrist brace. These items may even be covered by Medicare or your private insurance. The Health Alert Hotline is your brace company. These specialized braces have been tested for pain relief. Call us toll-free right now to determine your eligibility and to learn how to use your private insurance or Medicare to minimize your out-of-pocket cost. Don't wait. If the deadline passes, you may lose your opportunity to get a pain-relieving back, neck, knee, or wrist brace at little or no cost to you. 800-296-1261. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. So, Linda Godfrey may have seen the spine of a dogman. Tell us more. Well, I say may because I didn't see the whole thing. All I saw was the spine of something that was running upright across this little asphalt road and the spotlight caught the fur on its back for just a moment and the fur was gray and the spine was uh, vertical it ran across the road it momentarily blotted out a reflective road sign on the other side of the road and when we measured it later it would have had to have been seven feet tall in order to blot that out i was ruling out i mean i can't totally rule out a human in a fursuit except it was really a a warm warm night it was like in the 90s it was fixing the rain so it was very very humid i can't imagine any human running around in a fursuit without expiring Um, because we saw the thing we were seeing uh, yellow eyes shining in the bushes and there was a nearby somewhat abandoned building it wasn't used very much an old schoolhouse i think and there were motion detectors going on and off over by it all that sort of thing um so, and one of the witnesses that had brought us to that place in in the first place also saw it i wasn't the only one of course as always happens the history channel cameraman we were there with had turned the other direction and by the time we got him to turn around of course it had gone somewhere else you know wasn't there to be seen anymore but the weird thing even weirder that night was that 
The witnesses then became really antsy. They wanted to leave. They got frightened all over again. And so we all piled into the van. Well, they actually piled into their own car. The History Channel cameraman and, and I were in the van. And sometime, you know, within the past two hours, my camera that I had, it was a, a nice Nikon camera, ran out of battery. And so I had set it on the, the front seat. And we were out really in the middle of nowhere in Michigan, deep in the Michigan forest ranges. There was nothing but this little, actually it was a gravel road, not even an asphalt. And no one around, there were no houses, no habitations or anything. But my camera was gone. And it had been in that car with the door closed. The witnesses were right there with us the whole time. If anybody had opened that door, I would have heard it because I was standing there. And the night was very still. You know, there was no wind. Um, it was one of those times when you hear any little noise. And the camera was simply gone. And all of us combed the ditches, you know, up and down the road, um, thinking there's a dog man, <laughs> you know, at close range any time. It wasn't easy to, to comb those ditches, but we did. We looked everywhere. It was nowhere to be seen. You know, so I, I jokingly said the dog man stole my camera because I had really recorded a lot of good footprints and things like that that we had found around the property. We'd been there basically all day and then all, all evening. And so the History Channel was actually nice enough to buy me a new camera to replace that old one because there was just no one had any, any explanation for that. And it wasn't one of these little teeny ones, you know, it was a good sized camera that was like the year probably two, 2006 when that happened. Good cameras were still kind of clunky at that time. So that is my dog, possible dog man story. That's really interesting. And it almost spooks me more than the idea of just your run-of-the-mill Bigfoot. You know, because strange, large dog-like creatures you know sneaking around the city is one you know a whole different than being you know say out in the middle of the country you're kind of expecting wild things to be out there well, but we, uh, we're out in the middle of the, of the country i mean this was way way out. oh okay we're, for some yeah. reason for some reason i i was in when you said road sign and light i kind of assumed there was a street and a light and a road sign and so or something like that no, there was no there was no light other than the the spotlight that we had put up in the middle of the road, so that if something ran across there, we would have some hope of seeing it. And it was just a little reflective sign indicating a curve in the road coming that uh -huh. that we had over on the side there. So it wasn't any big deal. And the building was just a, a I think it was a former one room schoolhouse, so it wasn't anything big. And um, someone had purchased it and was slowly remodeling it, but they weren't there at the time. And the rest of it was just like forest preserve. There weren't any houses or anything else around at all. So, okay. I, now here I was envisioning this, you know, something, you know, maybe out in the suburbs somewhere. But this would, okay, that that is more mysterious then, because who would be out there then? Exactly. To be able to to pilfer your camera. Right, exactly. And, and the only other thing we, we saw at all indicating life was this, whatever it was, it was upright. It had gray fur, not long and shaggy, but just kind of, uh, kind of like a um, German shepherd's fur, something like that, and went across the road really fast. I mean, it was just, I saw it, it was across the road in just an instant, saw it, the, the sign blot out momentarily, 
And uh, that was when the witnesses got really, really spooked. Plus, it was, you know, in the distance somewhere, it was thunder and lightning because it was there was a storm coming in, you know, and we were just kind of on, on the cusps of one of those uh, really warm type of storms. So oh, that, that, that makes it even more spooky. Then. It does. It does. Plus the fact that motion detector lights would occasionally go on and off. And at one point somewhere really not very far away from me in the bushes alongside the road, you know, when your dog gets wet, swims in the lake, maybe and they're all wet and then they shake their fur, that sound of the, of the fur shaking out. It's, it's unmistakable. And something very large with a lot of fur did that, shook itself out. It was I don't know where it would have rolled in, in some water somewhere, but it was shaking its fur out very, very close. Now, and that's something I don't think a human could imitate that sound, no matter what kind of costume they had on or how they moved. But um, I still say possible sighting because I, again, I keep repeating, all I saw was this vertical spine. Very so. interesting. <laughs> how about other experiences? Is that your only one, or have you seen uh, something else? No, um, I've had some experiences with Bigfoot. Um, I had to wait quite a while, and I always thought, see, that was back in 2006, you know, and then for a long time, I saw nothing unusual. I would always be there the day after, or, you know, two weeks after, or just before, and it was so frustrating because, you know, I really wanted to see one, and then when I did, that was about like 2014, 2015, it was so ironic, I thought, because I was seeing and having experiences with what were obviously Bigfoot, and why wouldn't I get to see the dogman instead? You know, it was just, but the thing was, I was placing myself in an area where there were lots of Bigfoot sightings in a, a part of southeastern Wisconsin near the Kettle Moraine State Forest. And that was interesting because I had kept tabs on that. From the very beginning, back in 91, 92, I started getting reports of Bigfoot all around that area. And there were dogman sightings, too, but they were sort of just outside the park range. And what divides that park um, from the park and from the adjacent farmland and stuff is that it goes sort of abruptly from um, these pine, pine and oak forests into what once was prairie land, and now a lot of it is is farmland too. So it's either prairie or farmland. And I realized kind of early on that I could sort of just draw a line between where the Bigfoot sightings were occurring and the dogman sightings. And it was like each one of them liked this other type. The, the Bigfoots liked the forested area because it was also um, multi-elevated. In, in other words, this was where the the uh, glacier had come through and stopped and on it when it stopped it like carved out all these deep kettle shaped ravines which is why it's called the kettle moraine and so something could jump down into one of these kettles and be hidden very well which suits how the bigfoot are said to operate um but it's not such a great place for something that's a four-legged you know quadruped they would have to run down and, and, or even if it's on two feet, it would be difficult. Let's do our break here. Okay. We've got more to come. Linda Godfrey on Monsters with Gene and Randall. And Linda, you're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. 
Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. You may need this herbal tea for relief right away, so write this down, drmillersclinic.com. If you take meds, then suffer stomach distress, constipation, indigestion, acid reflux, and bloating, and nothing else helps, get Dr. Miller's Holy Tea or Super Holy Tea, a cleansing, detoxifying herbal tea, now available at great rates direct from Dr. Miller's office. Call or click 888-660-7039 or drmillersclinic.com. Are you afraid to go to the mailbox because of letter after letter from the IRS? Are they stacking on more and more penalties and interest? By now, you know the problem won't go away on its own. Don't let the IRS chase you to your grave with penalties and interest and liens and levies. You need real help now. I'm Dan Pilla. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I help thousands of people solve tax problems they thought couldn't be solved. I can help you too. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-213-9264 Call right now before it's too late. 800-213-9264 
Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Linda Godfrey, continue, please, telling us about the monsters among us. Sure. So I was just explaining what the Kettle Moraine State Park was, and there it's quite large, actually. It runs from near... The mid counties of the that I have southern borders with Illinois, all the way northwest of Milwaukee. So there's quite a bit of space there. So anyway, my family and I lived in a home, literally on the edge of that state forest. In fact, our backyard was bounded on two sides by very steep drop-offs into a large kettle system, and then you could get around to the main state park from there. And there were it was right at the very tippy top edge of where the the glacier would have stopped and all the soil was very pebbly i want to mention going down into these kettles i've slid down on the back of my jeans more than once because these pebbles make the soil very very slippery and again it's just another thing that sort of repels humans and um, other upright things other than bigfoot which is again perfectly suited so my first actual um encounter I call it that because I didn't personally get to see the creature, although somebody else did, was a complete surprise to me. I wasn't prepared for it. I wasn't out. And I spent a fair amount of time. I love to go out hiking in the, in the forests and go to places where people have seen things. So um, it wasn't that I hadn't been out before or wasn't you know up on my Bigfoot lore, but it was early in the evening. It was probably around 7 p.m. in August, so it was stayed light very long. And the neighborhood I lived in, a lot of the houses were just weekenders, and people had already left. It was Sunday. People had already left for the evening, and so uh, and the lake, the, the uh, lots were large sizes, so I was thinking there weren't many people around, and wouldn't it be kind of fun if I just picked up a branch and kind of banged a tree a couple of times with it? And I don't know why I even thought that. Um, I did see some trees that were bent together in a strange way. They were saplings that were bent over and almost tied to form like a, a rainbow thing. And that was new. This was a, a, a trail that I often took when I, I walked. I didn't, and it was just spur of the moment. I just literally walked out of my house, went to that place and uh, started walking around. I did not bring my camera or phone or anything like that. But I had that idea that I would just. Uh, try hitting a hitting a, a tree a couple of times and just just see if I heard anything. So I did. Um, there was a place where I could walk in off of that trail about 10 feet. And um, there's a nice kind of semi-hollow tree. And I picked up a branch that was just lying there. And I hit it one or two or three times and thought, ah, that's big deal. Nothing's happening. I hit it one more time, just kind of gave it my all. I thought, I thought I'll try it once more. And lo and behold, something hit a tree back and this was not far away this was maybe a couple hundred feet i was standing on the edge of one side of one of these kettles and 
whatever it was, because I could see the tree shake a little bit, was just on the other side of the kettle growing up from near the bottom of it. It was a, a, a very large oak tree and had lots of leaves on it. It wasn't like an old dead falling apart thing. So, in fact, there were so many leaves, I could not see whatever made that sound up there. And I was really startled. And yet I thought, well, it's just a fluke. You know, maybe something echoed. And I hit the tree again. And I got another knock back. And I was starting to get nervous. And I was thinking to myself, whatever is up there is holding a branch or something like a branch. And that means it has an opposable thumb. And that means. It's either a human or a Bigfoot, because I couldn't think of any other, you know, there weren't, uh, there shouldn't be any great apes walking around there. They don't exactly have the same type of hand we have anyway, although they can grasp things. So I thought, I'm going to make it show itself to me, and then I'll, I'll run. I, I wasn't thinking totally logically <laughs> at the time, and trust, I had not been drinking or taking anything like that. I should have, but I was just so fascinated with it, and I was so determined to see what it was, and just taking the chance that I could get back off the trail and, and get out of there. So the last time I hit it, it returned not a, uh, a knock, but a great giant cracking, ripping sound, kind of like if you've ever been in an ice storm and heard a tree branch go down, that was what it was like. And to my shock, I saw that that big branch that I had been looking at that was covered with leaves was twisted. It was ripped partly off and twisted. I was sort of panicked and I was, I didn't know what to do. I really didn't, but I just hit the tree again one more time. I thought I'll, I'll hit the tree, get catch it, kind of think I'm still there and then I'll run real quick. Well, this time when, when I did my knocking, something tore the tree. There was another like ripping sound and somebody tore or something tore the tree right off this. And the branch, I measured it later. This was not like a little tiny branch. It was 35 feet long, about eight inches in diameter. And I could see that it was new wood when it came off. It was white new wood and dropped it like 30, 40 feet down into this kettle below, ripped it clean off of that tree. And that's when I ran home. I didn't even think about it at that point because I couldn't imagine what else it would have been. Well, I got home. My husband was out of town somewhere and I'm sitting there huffing and puffing and, and thinking about it. And it dawned on me, there are woodpeckers in that woods. And I was thinking, well, maybe I didn't see it, even though woodpeckers that are in that woods are only seen usually on very dead trees. And this is not a dead tree. Maybe it was woodpeckers. Maybe for some weird reason, someone had gone down into that kettle, crawled up, the, crawled up the tree and decided to saw off a branch with a handsaw. Although I don't know for the life of me why anyone would have. And I wanted to go back and just see if there was anything there. But I, I wasn't going by myself. So I called a friend whose 20 year old daughter was not into Bigfoot at all. Didn't even really know what they were. Met me right away. They lived like five, five minutes away. And they drove over real quick and they they were brave enough to go back down in there with me and we we measured it and then i also found that near what would have been the crotch of the tree where it would have been having to stand there was on either side of the trunk kind of a pose but one farther down than the other you know how if you were leaning over and trying to grab something with your hands and turn it you would have to have one hand in front and one behind there were two handprints like that that we could see the the shiny wood and then we could also see that there were um, there were pieces of bark in that shape that had fallen off. And I picked up one and, and took it with me. I still I still have that. And 
then we got a little spooked after that. It was starting, we started smelling this odor that was really hard to describe. It was somewhat skunkish, but also kind of like smoky sweet grass at the same time. Um, you know, like, like field grass is what I'm talking about. If you've ever been by a, a, a field where there was a little grass fire. But yet this kind of, of uh, almost hormonal odor. It was really weird. So we went up to the top of the thing and we were looking for um, her. Her daughter had was just standing there, had never gone down into anything, just kind of looking around. And all of a sudden she screamed while we were just reaching the top. And she saw, I saw it. She said, I saw it. Went over there and she was pointing to another kettle where some um, bushes got really denser and it could have gone from there to, to another kettle. And she was freaking out. At that point, wherever it was, it growled at us. And the growl was so loud and long that all of us, you, you could just feel the hair standing up on our necks. And I said, well, I think that's our cue to leave. And so, and so we got out of there. And you can see pictures of it. If you go to my website, which is just lindagodfrey.com, there's no W's or anything. And then on the search box at the top right, put in Bigfoot Branch. You can see the photos I took of the branch, and you can see that it's brand new wood. You can see the pictures of those um, bark hand pulls, whatever you would want to call them, and uh, probably more thorough accounting of, of exactly what happened, although that's pretty much it. But from that time on, I had never really experienced anything that I thought was like an encounter. But um, that night I was in my office, which happened to be adjacent to a deck, maybe 10 feet from down into that next kettle. And something started throwing little bits of bark and sticks and pebbles at my office window while I was sitting in there. We had things happen after that, which led up to um, my actually seeing one of them. It wasn't the same color. The one that my friend's daughter saw was what she described as like gray tan that some people would call a blonde Bigfoot. And I've had reports. I had had previous reports of that in that Kettle Marine uh, forest. But she didn't know that. And then I happened to see at three different times during the year uh, 2015, um, what I believe was the same creature in kind of adjacent areas, doing different things all in daytime when I had a really good look at it and couldn't mistake it for anything else. And I didn't, I didn't tell anybody about that like for a couple of years because it's just too convenient. You know, and I know how it sounds like, oh, well, she's just saying she saw something. But I'll tell you, if I was going to say that I saw something, it would have been the dog man. Because um, it would be, if, if I was looking for just a convenient story, it would have been a lot more germane to my main work. We've got but, more to come with Linda Godfrey. Her personal experiences and more with Gene Randall and Linda. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great 
T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, and like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-870-0305 and use promo code GCN. That's MyPillow.com or 800-870-0305 with promo code GCN. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So there, when you have a personal experience, obviously you can't dictate how it comes out. It would be nice to say, well, I had the camera ready. And I think it's a startle factor too, isn't it, Linda? You didn't expect to see something, so how do you prepare for it? Exactly. And on none of these occasions, maybe it has something to do with it. Did I have a camera with me? They were all just spur of the moments because I like to go walking, you know, in the area. I I did. Sometimes I would have my dog with me, sometimes not. Although I never, I also never had my dog with me when these things occurred. But um, the, the first one happened when I had just gotten up in the morning, got dressed and thought, I'm going to take a quick walk before any of the morning traffic starts and uh, I ran up to where I usually walk and started off and I got to a field uh, where there were usually cranes nests, sandhill cranes nesting and I stopped to see if I could see any cranes and right where the crane nest usually was I saw this fence post and I thought well that's kind of crazy why did the farmer put a fence post there in the middle you know you're just kind of reacting instantly I call it the instant Roll, head Rolodex where you're trying, you're, you're shuffling desperately to figure out what you're seeing. And I glanced over at the actual fence. The fence posts were much smaller in diameter and they were gray. And the one I was looking at was almost round and it was a soft kind of smoky black in color. And as soon as I turned back and looked at it again, it immediately slowly sank down into the grass. It was standing in what I would say was about four feet of grass. Um, or hay, something like that. It was was probably the fir- the year's first hay crop, and it wasn't like I said. It wasn't all that far away from me, and it was morning, so I had perfect light to see it, and I couldn't see its face because um, it was backlit. You know, the sun was on the other side of it, but it just deliberately sank down into the grass, and I just immediately turned around and le- I walked backwards a few feet, and then turned around and went away as fast as I could because. 
I had a pretty good idea what it was. The only possible thing that I've been able to compare it to would be a black bear. But if you're looking head on at a bear, you almost always will see the ears. You'll see that triangular shaped face. You know, it's just built really differently. They will drop down into the grass like that. I've seen it uh, you know, on YouTube a couple of times. But when they do, you can see the head. You can see that there are ears. You can see that it's a bear. This was not like that. It was like just this you know, kind of stubby, rounded, black furred thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be should be fairly easy to tell the difference between something like a fence post and an animal, though. I mean, it, you know, you thought it was a fence post, but well, but the first thought that came to my mind because I wasn't thinking about seeing an animal out there, you know, and I was seeing this black thing kind of standing up in the middle of the hay, and I looked at it and I was thinking fence post and then right away i thought no there's no fence post there when you have an incident like this your mind is you know so many witnesses have told me this and i never really understood it until i experienced it it is exactly like having a super fast little card thing shuffling in your head trying to immediately identify what it was because i was looking at a field that was surrounded by a fence fence post was the first thing that came up and then i i just immediately realized no all this is happening very fast in your head. It's, it's, it's not even maybe in a recognizable order. It's just you, you think of all of these things. So, yeah, it, there, was no, there was no question in my mind. As soon as I glanced over and, and looked to reassure myself that, yeah, the actual fence posts were shorter, smaller, and gray, that I had my closure that this was not a fence post. Well, could you see a silhouette of some sort of creature then, as opposed to simply a cylindrical? Yeah, know. I could see. Oh. I could see that it had, um, you know, a body that was wider than the head, and that the the round the round object that I believe was its head was soft. You know, it had a soft edge. It wasn't. It wasn't a hard a hard cut edge. That was all I could see because that and like the the upper torso was pretty much hidden. It was like it was crouching in this hay was the feeling that I had. And once I turned back, and I, I think that probably it may have been out there and had probably a dozen cars drive by him. If you're not looking for things like I have kind of trained myself to do over the years, you probably wouldn't even notice it. But when I saw it and it knew that I saw it, that's when it sank back down into the hay. Then you know for sure it's an animate object. And it was very large. It was larger than a dog, was larger than, you know, anything I could imagine being out there. It wasn't a deer. It was black. And um, could it that, have been a person up on the hay? Well, it wasn't like the on, farmer or something. It wasn't on the hay. It was a person. It would have probably gone up to a, about their waist or their their chest. Maybe I mean, if they weren't crouching, why would a person be standing out in the middle of a field with no tools or anything like that looking at the road? Um, you know, that early in the morning, dressed in a black something that covered its head and neck and, and body. Sounds you know, pretty strange, no matter how you try to figure it out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, exa exactly. It, it does, you know. And, um, you know, again, if I were making something up, I think I would have put something much more clear cut in there. And not that I've ever been tempted to do that. I'm, I really don't have a great appreciation of hoaxers or people who embellish uh, what they see. but. But, you know, and I, I knew that it sounded sort of really off. And that's why, I mean, I never really published these. Th there were two more sightings that same year, and then they just stopped. And I never really published them, partly because, I mean, they just don't sound like your normal happenings. And the other two were weirder. 
Definitely. And you are, uh, I think, braver than I would be because I've had something sort of similar to the tree branch uh, case that you were just talking about happen with me. And I couldn't see what it was either, but I didn't stick around to find out. I got myself out of there as fast as I could. And I didn't go back there alone for several weeks. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it was just too unnerving. I mean, to stand there and, and hit the tree again or knock on the wood again. I mean, for all we know, we, this could be their ritual for issuing a challenge or something. Exactly. You yeah. know, you, you've got this little stick and you're wrapping yeah. on. And meanwhile, they rip off a whole big giant tree branch. It's like, exactly. okay, I think I've got the message now. Yeah, it may have been stupid. It, it's just that I so wanted to see it. Uh, the other thing is that, in a way, I, I totally respect whatever these things are. But over the years, when I get reports, you know, it's not like I've ever had someone say, well, it ripped my arm off or I, it was starting to kill me or anything, you know, that a normal natural predator might do. I, I think if I'd had a lot of gory reports that I probably or it was something like a cougar, which, by the way, while we lived in that house, my husband was stalked by a cougar three feet in front of him. So it's not like we had no other predatory animals around there. That and would be unnerving too. That would that, be like- I'm, I'm really lucky that, that I still have him. He's lucky that he's alive because it was, it was nighttime and it jumped from somewhere when he went in the backyard to get his boat. And we have, again, we had this huge backyard. It was like an acre with woods to the back and woods to the side. And you drop down off of him. And he went back there to get something from his boat way at the back of the yard, heard it scream. Then he heard a thump as it landed right in front of him. And then, and he knew what it was just by the sound of it. Could sort of see it, although it was, it was nighttime, but he, he knew, absolutely knew what it was. And it was making that kind of big cat sort of growling sound. He had to walk backwards all the way back to our house where the deck was and step without tripping on himself at the deck and all all the time he was kicking his arms and legs and yelling at it and i was in the house talking to someone uh, on a radio show just like this but with i had um ear pads on and i couldn't i never heard him at all and so if this thing had decided to jump him and cougars are even if they're they weigh like half of what you do they're very strong and they're very good at killing things very very efficient at it i came out of my office finished with my program and, and my husband who grew up on a farm he's a hunter he's an outdoorsman what he was just sitting there his face was drained white we had two other neighbors that saw it um, on different ends of the street and my husband saw it walk out of a cornfield the next morning as he drove to work he went around the bend and coming out of this cornfield was this unmistakable mountain lion let's do our break here folks and we'll get back to the tale of the mountain lion and more with gene linda and randall you're in the paracast Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike it's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. 
It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. In an historic event, former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. To secure your spot, text JOIN to 76280. This event is the first of its kind ever. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls in the weeks and months ahead. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join American Cannabis Summit, text JOIN to 76280. Attendance is free. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to 76280. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp-made easy, clean, and effective. GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNhemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with ReputationDefender.com. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with ReputationDefender.com. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with ReputationDefender.com. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. Or visit ReputationDefender.com. This is George Norrie from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. So, of course, your husband is lucky to be alive. Mm -hmm. But the other question I would have, I know nothing about 
creatures in the wild. And I don't get into the wild very much. Some people say I'm a hermit, but I get around. It's just like I don't go into the forest very much. I did as a kid. I didn't think then about the dangers there. Was he just lucky or does it require a little bit more for one of those creatures to attack somebody? I think that he was partly lucky. He, he was lucky that he knew what to do, you know, because if you turn and run, you're prey and then you're, you're done for. They're much faster than we are. And also, cougars have something called a, a lock-on response, which is once they've set themselves to leap at something, you can do almost anything to them and they won't let go. But then after, and it lasts like two or three minutes, and after that is up, they will let go and they have sort of a moment of decision where they decide if, if they're going to get hurt because they don't want to get hurt. If they get hurt, they know they can't hunt and then they're dead. But um, somehow he kept it at bay just long enough. To, when he got to the deck, it probably smelled like more humans, you know, and was a different sort of surface. And, and then the thing just ran down into the woods. But it's interesting because that was 2011 when that happened. That was the year that a particular cougar made it all the way from the, the Black Hills to Connecticut. You know, wherever there were reports, DNR agents were collecting um, evidence and they identified it as the same animal that made it to Connecticut before it was hit by a car. So this was something on the move and it could have been that very cougar. It could have been, there could have been others using that same trail, you know, but it was a for real thing that happened and that we never would have dreamed would happen in our backyard. But of course, then again, that we're not talking about anything particularly paranormal there. How how about situations? And, you know, I've heard a couple of stories where people have seen, however, abnormally large cats. One Mm -hmm. person I was talking to said they saw, for example, a very large jet black, the stereotypical jet black panther, but that this thing was about almost the size of a like a small deer, like just way larger than you would expect. Have you run across any other instances like that yourself? Yeah, this is something that I've been kind of delving into. Um, I get into it for my my next book that's coming out um, for some various reasons. But the thing is that um, supposedly there are no black mountain lions, or melanistic is the scientific word, just means they have extra coloration. There aren't supposed to be any, but there are black jaguars which we know have a habitat that runs uh, in Mexico. And they they used to be all over the southern United States and and farther north, too. And they, like the mountain lion, were all kind of pushed back by hunting and and that sort of thing. But they are bigger than the mountain lions. There aren't supposed to be any roaming north up into the, the general main parts of the United States. But, you know, there's nobody really to keep them out necessarily and if it's if it's summertime and they happen to go the the climate would suit them to certain areas and it may be that people are seeing these things because there are certain there's one place in wisconsin it's maybe about 18 square miles where people have reported about 150 maybe more and that's not all the the known sightings these are just the reports of mountain lions, but they've seen not only tan ones, but black ones. And the black ones have somewhat larger heads. Their markings might be a little strange. You can almost imagine that maybe a jaguar got there someday or sometime, might have even been in the past, might have even been one that was released or escaped from a private zoo, something like that, and maybe interbred with some mountain lions. And it looks a little different because 
when you interbreed two cat species, probably other species and things too, but when you interbreed two cat spe species, usually the offspring will often have a large head. Like if you breed a tiger and a lion, you get the liger, you know, which is not just on Napoleon Dynamite. It, it's a real thing. I've, I've seen one. It just has this huge lolling head. They, they don't interbreed perfectly and the DNA doesn't always join right. And they're usually sterile too. But you could imagine that perhaps somehow nature had a way and these things made it and there's this pocket because half, at least half of those 150 reported sightings are of black creatures, which, um, you know, there just can't be that many people mistaking them, you know, in this one small area. And a lot of times they're having, again, good looks in sunlight and, and fairly close. They, they seem to be pretty acclimated to the people around that area. Right. The, the size of them, like it's sort of like when we were talking about the giant bird, you know, okay, well, you know, it looks like a bird. It's got all the same uh, physiological characteristics, but it's just too preposterously large to right. think that it's anything that was, you know, bred in a zoo or something like that. Or I guess we could theorize that it was some kind of natural mutation and then there's not very many of them, I suppose. That could be. And, and I haven't really received personally any reports or seen any reports in this from this one area where um, the black large cats, whatever they were, were that much bigger than the tawny colored ones. You know, they were slightly bigger sometimes, but but not where you would categorize them as, as something completely new. I do, however, and have done since I started this, received reports of canines that are way too big to be dogs. They'll be described as like the size of an Angus calf. Their shoulder will come right up to the bottom of the driver's side window. Um, they often try and run cars off the road. They bash into them. They leave big dent marks in the cars and then run off mysteriously. And they're not really very much like the, quote, regular, unquote, dogmen, you know, that you have running alongside the road. They don't, they can occasionally be seen going up on two legs for a bit, but most of the time they're on four legs when they're seen. There's another question. What are those? Are they some well, overbred dog or what, you know? I, I can tell you. I saw one of those myself. Really? Clear as day. I was out in Banff National Park. I was driving. And uh, I may have mentioned this uh, on another show at one point. And I was going to ask you, how about these, you know, extra large wolves or canines? Because this was, it looked like a wolf, but it was just way too large. I mean, this thing was the size of a small pony. It was on a, a, a trail, a, like a game trail. I know the area. I know the river. I know the sizes. It, you can, I know how far away it was because I know about how wide the river was. It was daytime. And I was just driving and I glanced across at the river. And for several seconds, I could see this thing on the other side of the river, just following along this trail. And it was enormous. Right. Your comparison to a small pony or, or a, any pony is one that I hear over and over and over again. And it's either it's either to a pony or something like, um, you know, a young bull calf are the two comparisons I hear the most. And I know of big dogs. There, there are some very, very large dogs. You know, you have Irish wolfhounds, you know, your great Pyrenees. My, one of my sons has a great Pyrenees dog. You know, it's just this massive thing. And these are bigger than 
anybody. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. This thing, this was larger than any other dog I've ever seen. And I've seen, you know, I've seen pretty much all of them as well. And there was no way that this thing was a normal size at all. We'll talk about the size of dogs. Ours weighs 21 and a half pounds. But he makes a lot of noise. More to come with Linda, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. By now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. In an address from the White House, President Trump laid out his conditions for reopening the government. I am here today to break the logjam and provide Congress with a path forward to end the government shutdown. He said in an effort to break the logjam, he's offering Democrats three years of legislative relief for 700,000 DACA recipients Brought here unlawfully by their parents at a young age. That, plus a three-year extension of status for those here from disaster-stricken countries. Democrats maintain they're willing to spend billions of dollars on technology that would prevent smuggling through checkpoints. And they want a permanent solution for the DACA program. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell calls the proposal a fair compromise. You're listening to USA Radio News. What's on your bucket list? Running a marathon, hiking to the top of a mountain, or maybe surfing? What if I told you you can accomplish all of it at any age? This is Wayne Allen Root, and I'd like to introduce you to somebody that's changed my life, made me feel years younger, maybe saved my life, my Cenogenics physician, Dr. Bob Letta. Thanks for the introduction, Wayne. At Cenogenics, we help people look and feel many years younger. We've been in business since 1997. We have locations across the United States, and we've treated over 35,000 patients worldwide. Our age management medicine is proven to work. On the Cenogenics program, you will have your own doctor, exercise counselor, and nutritionist all working together to fine-tune plans especially for you. Thank you, Dr. Letta. I'm 57, and I feel like I'm 30 again. I feel the best of my life. I have the most energy of my life. Are you ready to start feeling the best of your life? Defy your age with Cenogenics. Call now for your free consultation at 888-YOUNGER. That's toll-free, 888-YOUNGER. Or go to Cenogenics.com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? 92 
$1,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. Large dogs. You know, large dogs are usually calmer than the tiny little dogs like Teddy Bear here. He's a nervous little furry guy. Well, yeah. This one that I saw, it was perfectly proportioned, too. It was a beautiful creature. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't misshapen in any way. And at one point, you know, when I first saw it, it was coming toward me. And it glanced up and looked across the road. and, And it was like there was an intelligence there that was really incredible and yep. wolves are pretty smart anyway no i've heard it described that same way people will say it, it almost had a majesty it was intelligent looking more intelligent than you would expect an animal um it was just beautiful until it started chasing the car and banging into it but you would get that description and also that they're put together a little bit differently oftentimes they would have sort of a rough around the back of their neck the hind legs were a little bit shorter than the front legs many times that's something else that I would hear often. And they could vary in color. They weren't, you know, just, just one color like um, you would expect a, a dog breed to be. So now there are in legend, you know, up in, uh, I think it's the Awanas Valley up there in Canada. There was this place nicknamed Headless Valley where these large dogs that were said to belong to prehistory roamed and were said to bite people's heads off as they lay sleeping in their sleeping bags at night. <laughs> Oh, now I want to go camping. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing would scare me. But there's no, there's nothing really to connect one to the other or to say that because so many of these are reported from all around the country and different areas. You know, it was not just up in this one valley in Canada. People will also think maybe they're throwbacks to prehistoric dogs. Um, they're much, they, they'll use the term dire wolf, but really dire wolves were not all that much bigger than normal dogs today. And these things are larger than the dire wolves and and don't really compare in the way they look. And we have tons of dire wolves to study, you know, thanks to the tar pit. So, you know, in California, I, I can't remember how many thousand there were in there, but it was a lot, you know, so we know pretty well what a dire wolf looks like. There's another thing called the the shunka warakin, which means head carrying or not head, but but carrying off dog, uh, because they would supposedly carry off people's and animals' heads. Um, you know, so you have these models from kind of prehistory, um, modern legend, that sort of thing, and you can see possible connections, but you can't. There's just no way to really tie them together. So if we're 
going to compare some of these experiences then, say, to the UFO phenomena. In ufology, they have an expression called high strangeness. And that's what we're getting into here when we're talking about cryptids. So what other facets are there that we we might draw a comparison to? Like, for example, have you had any reports of uh, shape-shifting or invisibility? Yes. Yeah, those have been reported from the beginning, but not nearly as often as the other types. You know, the, the normal ones, people are seeing them run across the road in front of the car or running alongside the road or um, come upon them in the woods while they're drinking or eating or carrying part of a deer around, that sort of thing. Um, But the other sorts of reports, which are really in the minority, are ones that either seem to have bullets go through them, like they're sort of insubstantial, not, not quite of an earthly solidity, or they are actually something that seems more human except for the head, like it'll be a wolf head on a somewhat human-like body. Occasionally, only very occasionally, with clothing. That's pretty much the real exception rather than the rule, is to see something, you know, like if you get your typical little werewolf statue at the dime store, it'll most of the time have on a checkered shirt and some torn blue jeans. You know, that's not how these things are um, usually perceived by witnesses. And often, the the more human they are, the more likely, um, statistically, um, according to the, the things that I've gotten, more likely they are to have been seen somewhere near a native reserve area, you know, where, where you have tribal people who have these customs that there are people who can learn or use different means to either project an animal appearance or form one around themselves. Um, or in some cases, pe- people believe, and, and I don't really, you know, say I believe or don't believe with these things because I just don't have any way to experiment with them that they can turn, turn bodily into one. Those really end up uh, in a different place. They're, to me, those are a very different sort of thing than the normal dogman type of thing that we see. You know, and I've thought right away from the beginning that there may be different things that can somehow form the appearance of dogs or or wolves, and they really are very different things. There's another type that seem to be pure phantom that will show up in people's bedrooms, and they're kind of like the old hooded characters from medieval times and before that were, uh, there's a name for them, I can't think of what they're called, but they would have like monks' hoods on them and they would appear in people's bedrooms. Or like... Like the jinn? Kind of like that, but jinn not, are not so necessarily in, in... These are more what I call bedroom invaders. A lot of times, the ones that are, have been reported to me are like very tall, uh, very statuesque looking. What they, The people will use the word Anubis again, the Egyptian god of the dead because they'll have very short black fur they'll seem very intelligent tall very tall pointed ears on top of the head and they show up in the bedroom they generally look around as if they're examining the place they may crawl up to the bed they don't generally really jump on the person or hurt them or anything but they're not always in the bedroom at night i had one that was reported in a house um standing right in sunlight in the morning um after someone got up it was still out there and this could have some ties to sleep sleep incidents where for some reason I'm, I'm blanking out on the exact term for that but when you're just waking up or you're going to sleep you're sort of in this gray area where um it's supposedly more likely that you might see these sorts of figures that's a real thing that is studied by psychologists and, and that sort of thing but again something really really different than these very solid things that you see carrying deer and eating things and doing other physical 
things that animals would do. That's very interesting. Uh, I know someone who has a condition that uh, she called night terrors, where she would wake up and see something that, that was projected out of her subconscious right there and for several minutes until it would just dissolve away and go away until she got used to how her her mind was working with her sleep-wake cycle. Mm-hmm. It's sort of also reminiscent of uh, something called a tulpa, um, or again, this would be a projection of human energy that would take a certain form and shape and people in some cultures are trained to deal with, to produce these things and deal with them. And um, in some cases, they can sort of get loose from the person and go out and wreak havoc and can be seen by other people. That's another sort of these forms. And I personally would rather deal with the solid form ones that are running alongside the road or ripping branches off trees or whatever. I, I don't like to go into any deep studies of these other types of things. You know, I've had people send me little charts on how to turn into a werewolf, and I'm like, nope, nope, don't want to know that, whatever it is, whether it's true or not, um, that goes in the circular file. I have I have my walls where I stop, you know. There are different things that apparently can assume forms by some means that we don't all understand. Right. Some of these experiences, these sleep-wake ones, they, they go a little bit beyond, say, your simple hypnagogia, where you're just sort of... You kind of, for a moment or two, maybe when you wake up, might have an experience, but some of these can last longer than that. And it almost makes a person wonder, well, are they really seeing something that is there or not? And yeah, It's a good question. I like to think that somehow we have filters, that, but we know that there are things that can be seen that we can't see. I mean, anybody who has a cat and, you know, here's unusual noises. Sometimes they'll see the cat, or it doesn't actually happen with one of my little dogs, that they're sitting and staring at something that they can see. And every once in a while, they'll look over. I remember my, my uh, first time, she'd look over at me like, don't you see this? And then she'd look back and bark again. Then she'd look at me and look back and bark again. We know that there are things out of our optical range, things that um, there are colors that are beyond our ability to see the colors. And... Um, just other things that are there, but but not visible to us. We're going to break so, now. We're going to break now and have the final segment with Linda, Jean, and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap. But not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com slash host. Once again, that's technightowl.com slash host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. 
Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now. You may need this herbal tea for relief right away, so write this down, drmillersclinic.com. If you take meds, then suffer stomach distress, constipation, indigestion, acid reflux, and bloating, and nothing else helps, get Dr. Miller's Holy Tea or Super Holy Tea, a cleansing, detoxifying herbal tea, now available at great rates direct from Dr. Miller's office. Call or click 888-660-7039 or drmillersclinic.com. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a place to advertise your business one of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at GCNlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. Some of the best sounds you'll ever hear are generic, safe, effective, even money-saving, just like FDA-approved generic drugs. Even if they don't come in the exact same color or shape as their brand name equivalents, they have the same key ingredients and go through a rigorous review process. Talk to your doctor or pharmacist today and visit fda.gov slash generic drugs. Generics are safe, effective, and can save you money. You'll like the sound of that. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. Here we go. Final segment. Linda Godfrey telling us about some really, really strange stories. So I just think this whole uh, segment is going by very, very quickly. And before we run out of time, I, I would like to cover any other sort of high strangeness aspects that you can think of. And maybe while we're at it, we should start with, uh, can you tell us a bit about the story where you were saying someone was uh, shooting at a creature and it seemed like the bullets were going right through them or through whatever it was yeah there's there's more than one story like that and other researchers have uncovered them too it's not just something that i've found um one that always has has struck me as is really pretty spooky and amazing was um a gentleman who was fishing 
near, it was in Alabama and he was doing kind of a flat bottom boat sort of fishing where he was trying to get, um, oh, some type of, some type of large fish that was near the, near the uh, shores. And while he was doing this, his dog started barking. He had his dog in the book, in the boat with him. And he looked over at the shore and there was this wolf-headed, wolf-like creature standing on its hind legs, staring at them. And the dog was barking harder and seemed to upset the creature. And it started coming in, wading into the water, coming like it was going to get his dog. And so he had a semi-automatic and he pumped some rounds into it and absolutely nothing happened. The thing, he knew that it was hit, but it just turned around and walked back into the woods you know, as the dog kept barking in, in uh, his its supposed victory at turning the creature around. And when he uh, went back, tied the boat up and went back, there was really nothing, nothing to indicate where it went or, or anything. And um, I've heard these, this, the same type of story can be told about Bigfoot too. And you can find that fairly easily in all, all the many annals of, of Bigfoot stories that there are out there. How about cases where people have perhaps given chase to these creatures and where do the creatures go or how did these end? I mean, I, my older brother and his wife had an experience with something really bizarre and they let the dog out and the dog went chasing after it and they could follow the footprints in the snow down into this shallow ravine. Uh, and then all of a sudden the footprints just stopped and the dog was, where did the thing go? And it, it was just gone. It just vanished. Yeah. And I've actually seen this myself. Um, there's a very active place here in Walworth County. Um, it's part of a, a small, um, hay farm and the, there was an incident and I've got the photos of it too, where you can see these footprints are in the middle of a field. It's like something dropped, lowered something on a ladder from a helicopter, <laughs> except, you know, it, it's an animal walking on hind legs. It gets, it, they start in the middle of the field and then they walk to the edge of the woods and then they just go away. And this has been reported by many people with different types of creatures, um, you know, again and again. And so we are left to sit here and just kind of scratch our heads and say, well, was that, uh, um, just a momentary portal that it walked into was it able did something flying pick it up i mean you know there you just grasp for all these um answers that none of which will seem likely to have happened but this happens again and again especially in areas where it's not just tfos but areas of high strangeness in every way and so often you know as the late great john keel observed we have what he called window areas where there's one strange thing come, where something leaves the window open, say from the speaking metaphorically from uh, the next realm or the portal or whatever it possibly could be, other things come through. So you know you get not only the you know the Bigfoot and the dog-like animals and the big birds, the things that look like lizards, sort of. You you name the Batman. Um, you name it. They're all coming. They all seem to cl sort of cluster in these areas where. Um, you can see weird things sort of drawn together. Yeah, I have kind of a uh, devil's advocate question here, but we have all these portal areas where, or areas of frequent activity, monsters, UFOs, whatever. 
And I sometimes wonder, maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, like a UFO flap. As more and more events occur, more people go out to look for things. And therefore, because they're paying more attention, they have more reports. Right. I think that's entirely possible. You know, and I I see it borne out in um, looking at the months when these things are seen. And you notice that they fall off during the times of the year when very few people are out in the woods or looking, you know, probably have the lowest number of reports in, say, um, late December through February. And is that because there are fewer creatures or because people are staying in by their fireplace? You know, there's, there's always that. And even even to the distribution of the numbers of these things, are there really fewer of them out in, say, um, you know, one of the western states where the populations are very low? Or is it just that the populations are very low and there aren't as many people to see and report them? Though that's interesting in and of itself. Now, have there ever been any urban reports? Sure. Oh, yeah. Can yeah, you def- tell us about one? Um, well, there was one from a couple of years ago that happened right in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Milwaukee has a river, you know, and there's a river walk that goes along it. Some very nice parks. And um, a young woman was was walking her dog. and encountered one of the um the large quad i call them quads because they're in four legs those large 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 canine type of things that we were talking about before you know and she felt that it, it saw her and sort of engaged and then just uh, quickly took off and she was left standing there amazed that she had seen it Do, has there ever been a bigfoot sighting in an urban area you know probably but i I don't think so much. Um, maybe in the outskirts, people ch- or, or Bigfoot's checking garbage cans, that sort of thing, but not like in the city that I've heard of. And I could be wrong. There could be, you know, other reports. I don't claim to have all the reports in the world by any any means, and I wouldn't want to. I couldn't couldn't handle them. Well, but, I've never heard of one, but uh, no, myself. I, but you know, so. I have not. I have not heard of one being right in town. But I have heard of people seeing. Um, you know, and, and really it's a lot easier if, if you look like just a German shepherd is when you're on all fours, you can get walk around like that just about anywhere and people will go, oh, there's a German shepherd or something like that. But when you stand eight feet tall and look like a humanoid with big hands and, and the big regular feet, you know, um, and you look human, it's much harder to get around in any kind of a, of a city type of, of, uh, of place. No doubt. But some of these, uh, strange canids are also pretty large and if we're getting the occasional sighting in and around city that that kind of reminds me of the way that there are wild or feral dogs that do roam in the city or near the city i live in a place here in calgary that is adjacent to a one of the first nations and we get coyotes and other wildlife that come into our neighborhood from time to time and well, that kind of brings up another question too. The canids, uh, you know, dogs in general, is especially like wolves. Well, that all sounds really fascinating, and if our time has gone by all too fast. Maybe you can tell us a little bit more about your your book and any speaking engagements that you've got before we go. Well, I have a new book coming out in June or July called I Know What I Saw, and it engages a lot of the things that we've talked about today and is going to have also um, a, a film 
that goes along with it, which is kind of a first for me that's being worked on. So that'll be fun. Just go to lindagodfrey.com um, and you'll see announcements there. And if, if you uh, just just join or, or like and you'll get all the, the uh, announcements. You can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast on Twitter. Look for on Facebook to Paracast Fan Clubs. And look for Paracast Plus. This is the way that you can hear our other radio show after the Paracast, where we have special interviews, wrap-up shows. You never know what to expect. We also give you a version of this show with somewhat better quality audio, higher bit rate, and no network ads. Prices start at just $1.49 a week, $4.99 a month. We have five-year and lifetime subscriptions. And if you go for the full Monty here... You get free stuff. Free stuff with the long-term subscriptions. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. Plus.theparacast.com. When it comes to Linda Godfrey, where's the time gone? We had a lot of fun. Thank you for joining us this week on The Paracast. Thanks so much for having me. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.